podcasting the untold stories of leaders. This is Leader Spotlight, the podcast where we highlight company culture innovators facilitating the future of work. I'm your host, Annette Klosowski, executive coach, entrepreneur, crazy dog person, and health and fitness junkie. On this podcast, we are going to be storytellers. We're going to bring the people behind the success and the results to you. You're going to hear their stories of perseverance, struggle, and their accomplishments. We're going to get the real details. I'm Annette Klozowski. I'm passionate about helping people get to their next level. I'm joined by our producer, Annie Brown. Welcome, Annie. Hey there. Annie is a creative genius, she's a blogger, she's a social media and marketing matron and all things graphic oh, and stuff. she's an incredible artist. You could, we'll, have to, we'll have to spotlight your cartoons sometimes. <laughs> Might scare people cool. a little bit. I draw, I draw zombies. Um, yeah, <laughs> but today's but very thing. excited to be here. Yes. I know. Okay, so we had a dream of a podcast. We've worked, we've had hours of planning and scripting, we've done run-throughs, so what's it like for you? Here we are, it's coming to fruition. What are you, what's it like for you today? This is super exciting. Um, I've actually been on the behind-the-scenes of podcasts a lot, but uh, this is my first time being a co-host, so pretty, pretty excited. I feel like it's like uh, on those late-night talk show hosts when the talk show, like, goes and points to the producers behind the camera and they're like oh hey (laughs) (laughs) so that's 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 my role but uh yeah no I'm really excited and excited just to talk about leaders and just meet all the really interesting and um passionate people that we have planned for this podcast I know so let's get right to it um today our leader spotlight is Bonnie Hageman she is CEO of Executive Development Associates. She is a speaker, an author, and a coach to CEOs all over the continent. And today, she's going to be sharing with us about her new book, Leading with Vision. Well, thank you for having me. This is very exciting, and I applaud you guys for putting all the work and effort into this podcast. I know it's a lot behind the scenes. It is, but it's a a labor of passion, I guess they say. So let's jump right in. Let's talk about your book. So one thing, um, I know we're going to have a lot of listeners that have a dream or goal of writing a book. And what I always say, the difference between people who have books out and people that don't, or they just wrote the book. So so talk a little bit about actually writing um, a book, how did it come to be? Tell us a little bit about that process for you. Okay. Well, I'll be glad to. Actually, this is my second book. So I had, uh, my first book's called Decades of Differences, and it's available also on Amazon. But that one was about generational differences, and I co-authored that with a demographer. So we did sort of leadership and demography mixed together. That was fun. And that one, um, you know, kind of got things going for me. I mean, in in our industry, it's very important that you get published. And so... uh, I try to stay on the forefront of the trends as uh, actually at EDA, we try to stay on the forefront of trends. And we keep, we run a survey that we started back in the early eighties called trends and executive development survey. And that trends research is what we use to go out to organizations around the world to find out what is needed today for your leaders based on today's marketplace environment and what's going to be needed in the next two to three years. 
And then EDA, my company, our company, um, it, we take that information, we, we put it in a benchmark report, we send it out broadly throughout the world, actually, and uh, organizations around the world use that as their benchmark to figure out what they need to do with their leaders. And EDA uses it to figure out what programs, books, publications, anything that we need to put out, speeches, things that we need to have out there to start educating the world on what's coming, what's needed. And that's where Leading with Vision came from. So in 2016, one of the top trends was that we needed leaders who could create a compelling vision and engage other people around it. And what we found out as we started to research that is there wasn't much out there to teach people, well, what does that mean and how do you do it? And so not only do we have a book from that, but we also created a workshop and we have a talk that I give. And so um, we've done quite a bit of work around trying to help people lead with vision. Well, I've read the book. I've been sitting in the workshop and I've heard you speak. So um, yeah. all three fronts, so it's excellent content. So, so let me start with this question. What, when you wrote, and maybe, maybe more so on your first book, but what was one of the biggest like obstacles or hurdles, blocks that you faced just writing a book? Well, that's, thank you for coming back to that because I don't know that I fully answered your first question, which is, you know, writing a book takes a lot of time and effort and focus. It's, you know, once I get personally, when I'm writing, I really need to get myself away from the day-to-day environment mm-hmm. and lock myself out. We have a sort of a guest apartment slash office slash shop. <laughs> and um, I like to go there just to get out of my desk and, you know, away from the email and everything else and just have a space to write. So one, that's a big thing is setting yourself time aside. Here's the other funny thing I found out. When I went to get a publisher, the first book, I had written the whole book. Mm-hmm. And what I found out is uh, the publisher only needs the first three chapters to decide. Ah, so okay. if your plannings were to have an actual publisher, not to self-publish, uh, just heads up, people. <laughs> <laughs> you need a proposal and three chapters, and then you can go out there and say, let me save you a lot of time. Do they help guide the one? Like they look and say, "Hey, we like this topic." Do they try to help guide they, content they as well? Guide, yes. And to, for us personally, they gave us more insight into the the cover, the marketing, things like that. Um, less inside of the content, on, but they did guide us a little bit. They said, "You know, you need more things like activities at the end of the chapters, things that gets the reader more engaged." So they did help with some of that. And so did you ever sit down and go, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to write. Did you ever have a you moment know, like that? I, I have to tell you, that never happens to me. <laughs> you got lots to say. Okay. I have a lot to say. I've heard of writer's block. I've never experienced it ever in my life. So Okay. All right. I love that. Okay. So let's get into the book now, Leading with Vision. It's the leader's blueprint for creating a compelling vision and engaging the workforce. So if... If we're doing the cliff notes, which I know dates me by saying the cliff notes, because I don't think, I don't know if they have cliff notes anymore, but um, if you're going to give leaders just kind of the high points from the book of, hey, if they're not going to read it, what would the things you'd want them to know? Well, I guess the first thing is that, you know, just the definition of uh, being a visionary leader and, and and having a vision is a clear picture of a positive future state 
and because we're talking about business, we're saying for organizations, a vision articulates this view of a realistic, desirable, and positive future state. Now, the thing about leading with vision is you can apply that to any area of your life. So while we built all this to help corporate leaders, you can apply that to your um, nonprofit, to your church, community, anything that you have, your own family, you know, you can help leading with vision. In fact, I tell a story about my dad and how he is my favorite visionary leader. And of all the things I tell, that is the one that everyone comes back and wants to talk about. Yeah. So I think, you know, visionary leadership, that's yeah. part of it, is, is you can be a visionary leader in any area. The other thing is we really need visionary leaders. There, it's a gap that we have today. And I think part of the reason is just a lack of courage. People are afraid. And so they try to protect themselves. And so we really need it. And when I'm coaching leaders, one of the things I always tell them is when you see a leadership gap, step in it. And visionary leadership is a gap. So you know, wherever you are, you can step into that. That's one of the most important pieces. Yeah. And I, I love to, and because I've had the um, privilege of being in a speech that you've done in, in the workshop, is you, know, you really build pictures. You give people the picture in their head of where they're going so that everybody knows you know, the direction and what it looks like. And so I think that's probably why the picture when you talk about your dad and farming and having a hard, you know, um, what, with weather and losing your crop, you know, when people, they resonate with that and it's an actual picture in their head. And so I, well, you I, know, I, love I, that. I have a co-author. He's from, from Switzerland and his name's Simon Vetter. And one of the things he was just, he reiterated it a thousand times as we were going through writing the book and he would say, a picture should be visual. I mean, a vision, I mean, I'm sorry, a vision should be a visual and so, like, you should be able to see it with your mind's eye. And, so, and that's true. You should be able to see your vision in your mind's eye. And a really good leader can paint that same picture for everybody else. So that everybody sees the same picture. You know, wow. so an analogy that I use a lot and when I'm teaching this is if there's a picture hanging on the wall and everybody knows how it's supposed to look, then anyone who walks by and sees it hanging crooked can straighten that picture because they know how it's supposed to look. So it's a shared vision. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. You also talk um, in the workshop, I know you did did some work around examples of visions organizations have that have worked really well. So is there one that kind of sticks out you will share? Oh, yeah, I love the one that was Microsoft. So Microsoft, Bill Gates and Microsoft back in the early 70s said that their vision was they would create a company that would um, put a computer on every desk and in every home running Microsoft software. Now, if you think about it, in 1970, none of us had a computer on our desk or in our home, and we certainly didn't have Microsoft software. And if I said, hey, you know, if I could see all of the hands out there listening, I would say, raise your hand. You know, most of us would be able to raise our hand that we have it somewhere in our lives today. So, you know, I always say, did they do it? They did it. They did it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of probably sounded a little bit crazy at the time. I, I'm back sure in the they mainframe. Because <laughs> back then, and they had big rooms and all the mainframe. Yeah. So they're probably like, that is outrageous. Exactly. Well, and one more thing about that is that when you have a clear vision like that, you can use it as a filter to make decisions. So if you say, well, we should we acquire that company? Well, I don't know. Does it help us put a computer on every desk and in every home running Microsoft software? If it doesn't, we shouldn't do it. Yeah. So it gives us a filter. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think I think when people kind of go into the book, you know, engaging your people, I think when people know where you're going and they have that vision, that picture in their head, it's real clear how they can engage and where they can play. So I love that. Well, I hope everyone gets the book. You can get both your books on Amazon. We'll go out. And Annie, anything from you? Any questions for Bonnie? Yeah, I just had, you know, I think Bonnie and I have talked about the book a little bit, and I just love the idea of, you know, visionary leadership. And I think, you know, people don't um, put that much time into planning a vision. So I guess my question was, what would your suggestion be for like maybe uh, two or three steps for somebody to develop their vision or to, you know, write it down, draw it out, whatever that looks like. What are the first steps that you need to do? Great question. So we have a tool we call a blueprint and we use that tool for everything from coaching to running a workshop. It, you know, it just really works well. Um, and it always starts with future state. And so whether I'm going to work with a leader one-on-one or a whole company, I want to know if we met again in three years and it was very successful, whatever we're doing, what would have happened? Because I try to get people just to dream a little bit. You know, having a vision is dreaming about the future. It is not staying, if we stay on the path that we're on today, where are we going to end up? If I'm on I-35 North, and I get on the path from Oklahoma City, I'm going to end up in Kansas City. That is not visionary leadership. Visionary leadership is where should we put a rope? Where do we need to go? Or should we put a rope? Maybe we need a hyperloop, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So that's visionary leadership. And so we start with positive future state. Let's dream a little bit. And it's also one of the reasons it's so hard because imagine the executives in a big Fortune 500 company sitting around a room and I'm going to ask them to dream a little. You know, that people automatically think, what? That, that's not going to happen. So we think <laughs> inside the box, <laughs> not outside. Well, right. well, sure. And everyone's yeah. concerned with just the day-to-day running the business as opposed to daydreaming about the future. That's right. Exactly. So, so I think we start with a positive future state. And then we, um, then we always move into, okay, well, what are the barriers from, to getting there? We work through the barriers. We talk about the key stakeholders and support that we need to get there. We get into goals and actions. And then eventually we're going to get to how do we measure success? And that can be your own personal life. In fact, we do a whole exercise in the workshop with a lead, about leading self where we do that about our own life personally. All right, so to close, I mean, everybody has really heard heard the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So the people that we put around us, whether they're friends, associates, mentors, influencers, you can usually tell uh, what your future is going to entail. So I'm going to ask you, who are your four people that you keep close by? Well, you know, you, fortunately, you prepped me for this one because I, I really did have to think. I, well, first of all, I just want to say that I love to be mentored from all different levels. And so sometimes it's my daughter or son, and sometimes, you know, it's someone with the gray hair and wisdom and all of that. But I, as I was thinking about it, I actually have an advisory board for EDA, and I typically turn to them for business things. The four of the ones that I talk to regularly on our advisory board are Jim Bolt, our founder for Executive Development Associates, 
Um, he's a wise and also a friend and very, he's been very helpful for me in my career. Bill Wiggenhorn, who is, was the um, president of Motorola University. And he just has tons of wisdom about our industry and about running a business. Yuri Boshek, I've um, tapped into his wisdom as we were traveling internationally. You know, I had some business things come up and he was right there to help me. And then Jim Kuzis is very, very helpful for us with our trends, research, and just in general, he's been a great mentor. But I couldn't stop there because notice those are all men. <laughs> and so, you know, as a person who's trying to advocate for women, it's advancing the state for women in business and in high-level positions, um, I had to get some women in there. So could I do four more? You could. I would expect nothing less. So when I said, who's your four, Bonnie? I meant, who's your eight? That's what I meant. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew that's what you meant. Yeah, okay, good. All right, so first of all, I have to say my mom. My mom has a lot of great wisdom. She was a she retired, retired school teacher, and um, she's been a great mother, and she listens to all my personal and professional issues, and she's been a wonderful mentor. Also, my stepmom, Judy. Someone I, I turn to regularly, very, very close to her, great friend and lots of wisdom. Um, you, Annette, I was thinking about that. I Ooh. often call you and uh, just need someone to help me get out of my own head. You've been such a great business partner and friend. And um, then my other one is Christy Overton, who is the mother of my adopted son's biological brother, who we are mothers of brothers, and our boys are from Russia. I love that. That that's actually another um, another spotlight we ought to do yes. with you and that's Christy. That would be a great <laughs> story to share about that. So, all right. So we have your eight. There you go. So, well, I feel um, very privileged that you would join us, and we really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here, Bonnie. Yeah, thank you. Hey all, Annie here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlazowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Check for new episodes of Leaders Spotlight every Friday, or better yet, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.